Hello and welcome to the Paranormalist Podcast. As always, I am your host, Kenny Dodson, and I am here with the Paranormalist, Patty Wilson. Patty? Yeah. Hello. How are you doing tonight, Kenny? Can you wait till I ask you how you're doing? I'm just kidding. Sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. How you doing? I'm doing just fine, Kenny. How are you tonight? <laughs> Pretty good. We do this every week, at least twice a week, so. Wow, this is starting off great. Uh, <laughs> we, uh... We have some announcements, Patty. I'm glad to hear that. Go yeah. ahead, Kenny. Okay, so we have two new patrons. Yay. Thank, Thank you, patrons. We have April George, and I'm going to butcher this name horribly, and I'm so sorry in advance. It's Maya Gagol? Gajol. And you can call us and tell us how to say it properly if you would like, please, and then we'll say it again. Yeah, we'll definitely say it again. Because I'm pretty sure it's one of those. But, I mean, I, I tried. I'm so sorry <laughs> if I failed you. Um, but anyway, thank you for becoming a member and enjoy all the extra episodes. There was another thing that I was going to comment on. I remember. Uh, my In case anybody was worried about the spider bite situation or ant bite situation. What? It went away. Yay, I'm, I'm fine good. now. That is one. And I also realized that I forgot to put in the picture of it. Oh, I was like, yeah, I was watching it and I was like, and I'm going to put a picture here. And then I never edited the picture in. So no one so ever he got lied to see it. to you inadvertently, but he did. Uh, it just shows my absentmindedness because like I, I even was going to do it while I was editing and it still didn't happen. So that's pretty There's bad. like six people going damn i really wanted to see the picture of the bite i really did did you ever see like i had a i had a person i i had to work with one time and her hobby bizarre i mean and it was bizarre to me okay her hobby was going online and watching videos of pimples being popped yeah i know people what the that, hell is that? that love that they think it's satisfying i can't i i just like she it's tried to show me. me this this pimple that was like the size of, you know, a boil that was you know being popped and stuck spewing everywhere. Blah, blah, blah. It was horrible. Yeah, uh, I don't know. A lot of people find that they they say it's relaxing. I don't get it. And sometimes, and those are usually the people that like to do it to other people. Like, oh, you have one. Let me let me do it for you. I don't know. I mean, I assume it has something to do with whatever makes us like bubble wrap. Oh, just, I, just, to greater, just to I a greater combination just to a greater extreme maybe i don't know I, I was just it was just i was like you're you're serious and she's like oh wait and she starts showing me the i'm like no stop yeah we'll take your word for i it. do not want to watch any of dr pimple popper I mean, it's no not way. that i have a weak stomach or anything like that dude i did home nursing for years i have cleaned up more crap than you could possibly imagine and many other things as well it isn't that. It's just I don't get it. I mean, like I did what I did because somebody had a need. Mm -hmm. You know, they were sick or injured or something and they needed assistance. Right. And I and I could do it for that reason. But just to sit here on the Internet and watch people pop in pimples. God knows that's like the last thing on the planet for me. Hey. We're not judging you. If you're one of the people, we are not judging you. It's just not our thing. It's just weird. OK, that's her opinion. <laughs> it's still my i'm still it's still america i'm still that opinion so it was just weird. i told her it was weird and she laughed yeah i mean like, i know it's weird but i can't explain it it's just something i like to do yeah that's usually the other uh answer you get i don't know why i just <laughs> i just like it so how do we get so far off so soon the stupid bug bite <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> Yeah, the it reminded bite. me of like you nobody got to see it. And it reminded me of the lady that wanted to watch the pimples all the time, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" <sighs> oh, ew. body horror. No, um, like I said, I, I it's not that stuff would gross me out because I've cleaned up worse. I assure you. Okay, I haven't, but, and but, I'll, uh, I'll keep it that way. <laughs> like I said, I could I could justify the rationale for that because somebody actually had a real need. Mm -hmm. Well. That's not what we were going to talk about today. No, it's not. You want so, to get back to topic? So what were we going to talk about today? I well, knew I, I shouldn't have brought up the ant bite. 
I knew it. After the pimples and the ant bite come what we're really going to talk about, which is haunted forests. So I woke up this morning and I thought, hmm, it's beautiful out. I bet there's people that would like to go camping. I would like to go camping. I wonder if there's a haunted forest. And thus started our sojourn into haunted forests. Yeah, but that was this morning. How did you come up with the whole episode by tonight? I'm good. Because you are the paranormalist. Right. I'm good at what I do, dude. Do, do. I like it. Um, So (laughs) so we... uh, we're not doing the Japanese forest. You made no. that abundantly clear to me. So where are we at? U.S. forest exclusively? Yes. Okay. Not that the Japanese forest doesn't have a great many awesome stories to tell, but I, that would probably be its own episode. It's a very prolific paranormal event. I'm assuming there's no shortage in, in the United States. There was no shortage of haunted forests. I picked out six or seven places, but hey, there are many, many more. And if you know of one, you can send it to me and I'll check it out, man. Because some of these places sound really good. So. So none of these are near us, right? I didn't say that. (laughs) Okay, whatever. Go ahead. Why would you assume such a silly thing? No, I would assume that you would do it on purpose. So I just like the I like I know lots of ghost stories around here. So okay, well hit me with them. You want to go with the local ones first, or yeah, at the end? Yeah. Yeah. Watch. Yeah. Let's start locally. Okay. Let's branch out. Okay. Well, there is something in Pennsylvania called the Buchanan State Forest. It's a huge tract of land, and it has a lot of ghost stories throughout the entire thing. But we'll just start with a couple. Um, down at Breezewood, there are the tunnels that are supposed to be haunted. They're an old, they actually built like 17 miles of tunnel for the turnpike and, and road, not the whole thing's not a tunnel, road and tunnel for the turnpike that they never used. They never connected it ever. It never got used at all. So it's just been abandoned sitting in the middle of the woods. And of course, over the course of time, hunters and hikers and different people have discovered this thing. In fact, it actually became the site for a, um, shooting for a, a, an end of times kind of movie one time here in like in the mid 2012 or something like that. And um, yeah, keep going. I think I know which one. But and I don't know I'll, if I hear it, but I don't I can't think of it off the top of my head because like that was like the least of the things. But I've had a lot of paranormal experiences in this tunnel. Supposedly, when this tunnel was um, was being built, there was a worker who fell down into the con- concrete wall. They had a platform and they were pouring the wall. And um, another man reached in trying to pull him out. And instead, he overcompensated and ended up falling in, too. And there was nothing they could do to save them they were already you know they were down into concrete and dead so they ended up according to what i have read and according to a gentleman i talked to who worked worked there at the time they just left them in the wall and they're still there that's what they say Hmm. and there's supposed to be ghost stories about that there's an old ccc camp down there that supposedly two german soldiers were killed at and there's i've heard myriads of stories about people going through the woods either hunting or hiking and hearing foreign voices of two men talking and they seem to follow them but there's nobody there Hmm. um and and it was an old ccc camp and it was used as a german prisoner of war camp at the end of near the end of world war ii so all of the backstory is accurate to this particular thing now over on um the blue knob there is another story um which is the other side of us and it is about um the two little boys the the cox children who disappeared early one spring and um they were found only because of of a dream after they were gone four nights there was a gentleman uh, by the name of mr dybert who dream who dreamt that he saw the boys he was like he was walking with them he saw a log across the stream. He saw a dead deer laying there along the edge of a trail, a shoe, a little boy's shoe, um, and different things. So he was very, um, 
rattled by what he had dreamed. And he dreamt it a couple times that night. And he woke his wife and said uh, he was sick at the time. He really couldn't um, go out. He hadn't helped to look for the children, although people were from all over the um, south central part of the state. And Maryland came up and helped him look for these two little boys. This was early spring, so it was pretty cool and damp and, um, and very rainy that spring. Well, anyhow, um, his wife listened to him tell it and she knew where it was. It was on her family farm. She knew this trail from the clues he was giving. So they, they literally packed up and rode over to the family farm, told her brother, um, Mr. Wysong and Mr. Wysong went out and walked the trail and found the dead bodies of the boys because of this prophetic dream. So how long were they there? They were there four and a half days and nights. And it is believed that the, oh, it was, they were five and seven years old. Um, Joseph and George were their names. And um, it's believed that the older of the two boys sat and held the, his little brother's head while he slept. And he just basically died of exposure. So the other boy just sat there waiting until he died too, which is a hugely tragic story. They're buried up um, on the Blue Knob in one of the little villages up that way um, in, a, in a common grave. Just the two of them buried in the same casket. And there are stories about the, the area up there being haunted. Um, and there was a monument up on the mountainside where they actually were found. Well, actually, I want to clarify. It's not where they were found. Originally, it was where they were found. But as people got less likely to walk, <clears throat> they brought the monument closer and closer to the road. So it's actually a few hundred yards, a quarter, maybe a quarter mile from um, where it originally happened. Um, but every, they had the monument there, then they moved it once. And then when they replaced the monument with a new one, they brought it even further down the mountainside. So how they end up on the mountainside to begin with? Well, they actually lived on that mountain and, um, it was early spring, um, kind of a cool, damp, rainy day. And their dad was, told his, his wife at breakfast that they were, he was going squirrel hunting at the time. The boys were little, like I said, and they wanted to collect, they were collecting squirrel tails. So they wanted to go with their dad to get the squirrel tails. And he said, no, cause it was too cool, damp and rainy. Well, they went out and were puttering around right outside. And when he left, they snuck off after him, but he didn't know that they went in and real quickly, one of the boys ran in and told mom that, that they were going with daddy. So she didn't question anything until he came home after lunch and said, you know, was he sitting at the table? Well, where's the boys? And she's like, what do you mean? Where's the boy? I was, I was just going to ask you if you'd left them in the barn and, you know, tell, tell you to go get them. And he's like, I, I didn't have the boys. She's like, yes, you did. And that's how the whole thing starts. And, um, so he, he goes out looking for a few minutes, realizes that he's not going to get anywhere. He rides into town and tells them the boys are missing on the mountainside. And so they kind of sound the alarm. And within 12 hours, literally, people were coming from 50, 60 miles away to comb that mountain. But they all made one fatal mistake. Because the cricks were so high that spring with the melt off and everything, they thought the boys couldn't cross the cricks, but the boys found a spot where there was a log across and they walked across and nobody saw it. Nobody thought about it. So they hunted for days, but they hunted on the wrong side of these, the, the creek and the boys were actually at a different spot. Mm. And that, and actually the table from the, the Cox family kitchen is in the museum over here at the fort. Oh, it's in the back room of the fort. But it's supposedly haunted by the ghosts of those two children. And I assume a lot of people have said so. There have been stories on and it's not it's not one of those places where everybody that goes there comes back and tells a ghost story. But every so often mm -hmm. there'll be a person who will tell a story. Hmm. It's, it's one of those. I wonder if they're lost or if they're what, why they're sticking around. I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that would be. Then, um, I mean, I could go on and on. Literally, the like the Buchanan State Forest has, there's a woman who was murdered um, down at, uh, down below Chambersburg at um, part of the forest back down in there along the um, Appalachian Trail. 
There's, of course, ghost stories galore down around the Gettysburg part of the forest. <clears throat> so there's just a lot of ghost stories in the Buchanan State Forest, and it goes on and on and on. Holy cow, how big is this forest? I feel like I should Huge. know this. I should know this. <laughs> this is huge. It's it's. I mean, when we say state forest, we're talking thousands of acres of land, and it spans several counties. It's crazy how much land there is in Pennsylvania where nobody is. It's. I mean, like at all. I, see, I've always I always hear these people say, "Oh, you know, the earth can't support any more people, and you know, and and it's too crowded." And I'm like, dude, have you ever flown across this country? There, I mean, there's one forest we're going to talk about that was over a million acres and just one forest for, for one state forest. And that's one state forest and an entire state full of forests. Yeah, if I remember, I'll put in uh, the that dark, you know, what it looks like at night, what the United States looks like at, at night. I put that in for the patron episode, so maybe I can put it in here. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing um, how much... Un- there's there's land that probably no person has walked on in a thousand years. Yeah, the middle, and, right? And middle well, of the forest. Well, I mean, in the mountains and what have you, there's places that it, you know, people just don't go. It's too far up. It's too far back. It's too many hundreds of miles of walking. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even counting Alaska, which is another entirely amazing tract of forests up there. With their own sets of stories and stuff. So, I mean, you're looking... And, of course, Hawaii has its own... And the Southwest is like a big black hole for most most of it. You know, that so... That gets dark at nighttime. It's just amazing the amount of land. And then Canada is the same way. I'm mm-hmm. sure South America is the same way. I haven't seen it, but I can pretty much guarantee you it's the same way. And, and probably most places. Yeah, you were saying... Uh, and when you said this, it made me go, huh? <laughs> you know, I never thought about it. Like people only go about five to 10 miles into the woods. They say even they hunters stop. will only go less than five. Because yeah. if you have to carry a deer out three miles, right. that's a hell of a hike, baby. Yeah. And it's carrying 120 pound deer on your shoulders. Right. And you feel like you hiked for a long time, but yeah, there's so much beyond where you stop. It's kind of yeah. like the, like we talked about the caves, like you go down in caves and then there's that roped off part where it's cut off and you're like, what's down there? <laughs> and, and everyone's like, I don't know. Nobody knows. Yeah. No. And, and think if you think about it, it's true. Most people never go more than five. Even though they, they sound like great hikers. I walked for 15 miles. Well, that's probably seven and a half, eight miles in and seven and a half, eight miles out. Mm-hmm. You know, you really didn't go that far into the to the forest. If there's not a road cut into it somewhere, most people won't go. Right. Especially now. That's interesting. Oh, and speaking of the road, that's the name of the movie. That's the name of the movie. Yeah, yeah I thought that's what it was, but I wanted to look it up. Yeah, they shot part of it up there in that um, t- at the tunnels because it's so desolate, mm-hmm. and it looks the part. Well, you said, did you say you had experiences in the tunnel itself? We um, did. We you have a, a personal experience? We as a group, we've had a couple personal experiences as a group. Okay. Um. There was a year we went up there and you, you cannot go into the, the tunnel, um, has like these, had like these doors that you could go up inside of it. Mm-hmm. And like there were service areas and stuff back up in there. Um, and until recently the doors were still available and you could climb up inside the tunnels, but, um, they welded the door shut because of vandals and crazy teenagers and Satanists with axes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Um, because they were actually, there were some pretty creepy things. We, about eight years ago, my group and I went up there to walk the tunnels and three of the men, one of whom was a police officer, um, went in and were kind of checking it out to make sure it was safe. And they went up in there to make sure there were no vandals or, um, homeless people, things like that, that could harm somebody, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, the police officer came out and he, took me aside and he said, you need to go back down because we didn't have any cell service. Go back down to where there's cell service and you need to call the state police. There is a shower curtain up here and rope and there's blood all over it. And I don't know if it's human blood or what it is, but there's something all over it and we need to let the police know. So I hoofed it back down, got in my car, drove to where I could find cell service, met the police officer and took him up to where this other police officer was waiting for him and had kind of secured the scene and made everybody else go back and sit in their cars. 
And, um, you know, I've never heard what happened, but that was kind of a creepy experience. <laughs> Something happened there. Yeah, kind of. And my definition of creepy is not everybody's. Okay? I know, but like, <laughs> I wouldn't walk. I mean, I always thought like, oh, a long, super dark tunnel. You know, I didn't even know it was haunted. I just knew it existed. You know, mm -hmm. and I was like, I just wouldn't want to go in there for such a purpose. A lot of people walk in there um, and just walk it just to walk it. Yeah. Because you get to the middle, you really can't see much daylight on either side. Right. And it's creepy and they like the idea. But there, I mean, there are a lot of crazy stuff thing up, up there. There's um, over the years I've bumped into homeless people. The National Guard was using it for some sort of training exercise. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Motorcyclists. um, Seriously, a satanic cult has taken over a couple parts of the um, the 16 miles over the course of time. I don't know that they're still there, but, you know, I've seen their handiwork, shall we say, mm. um, a few times. Uh, so just all kinds of stuff, vagrants, maybe mentally ill people, things like that, you know. So you never knew what you were getting into. And I would never recommend anybody going up there completely alone. Um but they've welded the tunnels shut now, the, the doors and stuff. So you can walk through the tunnel itself, but you really can't explore it. It's not like you could before. Oh, I see. So you could go through all the different uh, areas. Labyrinths for... inside yeah, yeah. of it. Yeah. The surface okay. areas and stuff before. And that's where the sheet with the blood and stuff was at. Oh, I didn't know that blood. was ever open to begin with. I thought oh, it was just was... like a straight line pretty Ooh. much. Okay. Inside there, there's on the in the walls, there's these little doors. And if you open the doors, they went up inside. There were steps and they went up inside the, the tunnel <laughs> yeah. and, and inside the tunnel to the um, like to service it and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they're in, I guess, every tunnel has them, um, you know, that way they can maintenance them and they store stuff and, you know, whatever they need to do. They have stuff up in there. But um, this one was empty, of course. And there were a couple doors there for different sections. So, um, but that was the first thing that happened there. Then two, maybe three years later, we were up there again, walking, um, just we're spending the day out there, the whole group of friends and myself. Um, we had stopped at Sidling Hill for a picnic, had walked the CCC camp, which is down below and, um, had decided to walk up through the tunnels before dark and then leave. And one of the ladies had brought her German Shepherd dog, who was a huge dog and afraid of absolutely nothing. Like aliens from outer space, he would have barked at, mm -hmm. you know, and Sasquatch. So <laughs> anyway, um, we're walking along and uh, I was in a different part of the tunnel at the time. So whenever this happened, they radioed me and I came running and um, she's walking along with her dog, one of our friends in front and two of our friends behind her. And all of a sudden... Um, according to all of them, something pushed between the two friends behind her, knocked the one towards the wall, the other one almost over and pushed her and did knock her over. The dog was growling and snarling at something nobody could see and then flew past the lady in the front. Um, and she felt the thing hit her as it went by, but there was nothing there. It was daylight. And it actually, the one, the lady that fell, the one that had the dog, she ended up breaking her wrist. Eesh. So um, after that, we just were like, that's it. Too many bad things. We're not coming back here again. Yeah. Well, that's a bummer because it sounded like it would have been a cool place. It, it was a cool place, but um, just, and now there's actually tiles that fall from the ceiling because it's not been managed or maintained since, since it was built. Yeah. It's dangerous. It's just dangerous. I would I would highly recommend people not go there because, like I said, there's just way too many things that could happen to you there, including tiles coming off the roof mm -hmm. and just dropping randomly. Because we actually have talked to people who've had that experience. They were walking through and right behind them or right in front of them, a tile crashed, you know, and they were like, I was only like four feet from it or two feet from it or whatever. I mean, that goes for a lot of abandoned places, right? Like you kind of be does. super careful. I, I, I'm a big fan of the concept of urban exploring. I think it's really cool and I like to see. But I think that, you know, hopefully they're very cautious about what they're doing and they make sure that they do it in a safe 
manner because all kinds of crazy stuff from weakened floors yeah to um you know rotting supports to you know animal predation you know you can go into an old abandoned house and not realize that there's badgers or coons or something living in the house and that they might come out and bite you because they're trying to you know they've got them pinned in a corner you don't know that but they do right so there's all kinds of crazy stuff that could happen i knew a fellow one time who was doing that and he didn't realize a black bear was living in the basement of this old abandoned house walked right into the area where it was at went out faster than he came in <laughs> well at least he was okay he was okay. He but was that, I was going to say that. I was going to say, or a bear. <laughs> That'd be scarier than a raccoon for sure. Yeah. Like he just was poking around in the basement, figuring that was a safe level because you couldn't worry. You didn't have to worry about the floors caving in or anything. Mm -hmm. And um, came around the side and the bear had uh, decided to use this old furnace that was laying on its side as kind of a cave. And he let him know it was he was in its territory. Jeez. All right. Well, be careful out there, urban so, yeah. explorers. And anywhere. I mean, anywhere you're where the wild animals are, they play by their own set of rules. Mm -hmm. So let's start with another place. Let's go down to um, southern Florida to Alcala Forest. Um, this is a national forest that was created in 1908. And... Um, it was used, the land where the forest is now, of course, land has a history that goes way beyond the people who own it currently, um, which is, of course, the government right now. The Seminole Indians and um, African Americans, um, both for, during the years of slavery and afterward, um, spent a lot of time living in, those, in that area. Um, there were, you know, a lot of people that lived alone alone or in small groupings in those woods um but in the 1960s um the area was taken over by some violent gangs and cults i mean it sounds crazy but they found the remnants of things like uh, bones and burned things and you know um pentagrams and spray painted and and stuff like that so they know that um there were um hangings people that were hung there and ritual sacrifices that were found there um and you know the police were called by hikers who were horrified by what they saw and so they know that this happened um there was even a area there that was kind of a body dump for some of the local gangs in the city nearby so they would kill people and dump them out in the woods, figuring that, you know, if they weren't found too soon, time and the animal deprivations would take care of everything for them and get rid of any kind of clues. And they were probably pretty right. So that's like the Florida's version of the Texas killing fields. Yeah, basically. the same. And there's a place out in Western Pennsylvania that had the same reputation. Um, people from um, Cleveland, Ohio, there were people, um, the gangs and gangsters um, and even a serial killer from Cleveland, Ohio, who would dump bodies out in this place in Western, in Western Pennsylvania. Um, and it's, so it was a killing field. Yeah, it was a place where people, they weren't killed there. They were killed elsewhere and dumped there. Right. Now, I don't know if any, I mean, obviously some of these people were killed there if they were hung there. And animal and human sacrifices were made in that spot. So there was a lot of stuff there. Um, there's an area there called the Muddy River. And um, in that area, people have claimed that um, hands, invisible hands, you're walking along the riverbank, you're kind of checking it out. And all of a sudden, this pair of hands that are invisible, you don't see them, you can just feel them, will come around your neck and start squeezing you like they're trying to choke you out. Well, that's no good. No, I mean, it's a ghost story. Sometimes they're not pleasant, you know. Um, and th there's another area where a white misty figure has been seen. Um, and it's not too far from the river. But what they describe it as, as a, it looks like a person. I mean, it's not got the definition of whether it's even male or female, but it's human shaped white figure. And it just kind of comes out of nowhere. And um, people have seen bodies hanging in the forest there in that same area. And when they call the, you know, they run out and call the police and the police come and there's nothing there, or they'll go running down the road, stop to look to make sure that they saw what they saw before they call the cops and there's nothing there. 
And obviously, if you've only run a little ways down the road, nobody had time to come up and unhook the fake body that they planted there just to scare <laughs> right. people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's not that. And then there's an area called the Kerr City on Lake Kerr. Um, it's kind of, Kerr City's a kind of a ghost town. Basically, it was one of those boom towns that came up almost out of nowhere overnight. And then as um, the industry left, the town died very quickly. But before the town died, there was a series of murders there that have never been solved. And it's believed that some of the victims of these murders um, might still haunt that area. Now, most of the town is gone. I mean, even the ruins are gone because there was a religious cult that settled in that area and kind of um, squatted in that abandoned town. And either on purpose or by accident, depending on who you talk to, they caught the town on fire and burned most of it down. So, I mean, it could have been an accident. You could easily see them knocking over a kerosene lamp or a fire getting out of control or something. I, I Until I have better evidence, I would have to say you have to assume it might have been an accident. Yeah, well, if the town is dead, I mean, it's not like they have a fire department or anything like that. Well, that's what I'm like, saying. And, you know, and if they were living there in this place without electricity, I'm sure that they had to, fires for cooking and candles and stuff for lighting. Mm -hmm. And I could just, I, it's just as easy to assume that something accidentally got knocked over or whatever and it's old dry wood and poof you know it's gone but there's um and where the town was at there's um people who've like hiked back there looking for the ruins and stuff and they report things like cold spots um apparitions the sound of voices in the town and almost like the sound of a town like the hubbub of a town with people talking, dogs barking, um, you know, vehicles going by, the whole nine yards. But there's nothing there to see, just the sounds. Hmm. And just in case that's not enough to whet your appetite to go to Akala, that is also a place where the skunk ape is seen all the time. That's where my favorite band is from, too. Is it? A Day to Remember. Yeah. They're from Akala. Akala? Mm-hmm. So anyway, that place has a great deal to offer if you're interested in any kind of weird paranormal thing and you want to go out and check it out. The forests down that way are um, very haunted and they have a long reputation. Now, you have to do a little more in-depth research. If I was going to go investigate, I would definitely um, consider you know, like nailing it down to a couple specific spots like Kerr City and stuff like that. But... As for um, being interesting, it's got a great history. It's got everything I would be looking for in a good ghost story. Well, the skunk ape is like a big deal down there, isn't it? It is. Is that basically a Sasquatch that just, is it, what, what, why they call it a skunk ape? Because it smells so badly. It has uh, a musky okay. um, scent, which, you know, if you think about it, if it's a, um, if it's male or if it's the male of a species, any male of any species has a strong musky scent um and if it's not obviously not bathing every day and what have you that scent's going to get pretty raunchy and rank you've ever been around a person who didn't bother to bath three or four days in the summer you'll know what i'm talking about imagine never bathing at all in an entire lifetime so they stink how big are they are they actual like are they basically yeah. a sasquatch or yeah okay. size wise they're basically a sasquatch they they have some distinct um, features that make them separate. That's why they're separated out um, you know, from just lumping them in as a regular Sasquatch. But um, overall, yeah, if I, that would be, if I were trying to explain it to somebody, I would say a stinky Sasquatch. <laughs> Okie dokie. Well, there you go, Ocala and surrounding area. And home to stinky Sasquatches as well. There's something you want to put in your tours for sure. <laughs> I smelled the Sasquatch. That'd be a good t-shirt. I smell the skunk games. Yeah. <laughs> or you have a little skunk with holding his nose going, I smelled the skunk apes, you know. <laughs> Scaring the skunks off. That's right. All right the well, skunks can't stand it. What? Where are we going next on our tour? To Morgan Monroe State Forest in Indiana. Okay. This is, I mean, legitly, this is something that I've always been interested in. I wrote the book. I wrote that book called uh, Pennsylvania's Lost Treasure. So you know I like treasure hunting and gold and all this stuff. So um, this is one of these places where you can actually really still pan for gold. 
legitly pan for gold. Like you might get something. Is that yes. what you mean? Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> I was like, can't like you just tour- do that in any river? But no, yeah. it's a tourist. Like, well, first of all, like a lot of places have like a tourist trap thing where you can pan for gold and yeah. they guarantee you a couple nuggets for thirty five dollars. Right. Know? Right. Yeah. Um, this is no, you can just go out in the wilderness and pan for gold and you have a shot at it for real. That's cool. Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, I, I think that would be kind of nice. Um, so in about 1929, um, the government began to buy up the land around what's now Monroe, um, Morgan Monroe state forest. And, um, because it was, uh, had been logged out really badly by that point. So the um, the advent of the CCC camps, which were the Civilian Conservation Corps, started at the end of the the 1929 depression, um, the Great Depression as we call it. So they decided they were going to one of the the tasks for the CCC boys was that they were going to plant replant this forest that had been deforested. So that's one of the things they did, and they um, they went ahead and re kind of rebuilt it and cut trails and paths, which we still use to this day. I mean, a lot of this, a lot of our state forests were created that way. People don't realize it, Mm -hmm. but a lot of that was done by the CCC camps that were all over the country in the 1930s. That's cool. And to think how before that they just didn't exist. Yeah. It was just wilderness land. And then, um, you know, the, the, reclamation projects started and basically the concept was that if you were going to get welfare you needed to earn it so if a family was getting welfare and they had a boy that was like 15 to 19 years old they would go and work at the ccc camps and the money would go back to their family other than a stipend and the ccc camps provided them with food and clothing and shelter and um and education. They would be given a trade that whenever they left the ccc camps they could take into their lives and make a living at which I thought I've and always now, thought and now we can go program. into the woods. That's cool. Yeah, and they cut the and they cut um, the the fire breaks, the um, fire roads, the trails and stuff um, through, and they replanted. They used um, built walls to retaining walls to keep like sides of mountains and you know and hills from shifting, all kinds of stuff like that. And by the time they left, they were able to um, to be you know architects. They could. Uh, to be surveyors, they could be engineers. They they learned really good trades. That's cool, but what were we talking about? Well, we're, we're talking about how this park came to be. Oh, that's right. Okay. So after all like... the CCC camp people left, um, then um, unfortunately, you know, as as what always happens, is somebody comes and tries to ruin it. So there were a series of um, murder people found there that were badly tortured in one of the areas. Um, After that, the story started about um, people feeling an evil presence in this one area as though something's watching you. And if you've ever been in a place where you have felt that hackles on the back of your neck and you keep kind of going like this and there's nothing there, but you know, there's something there, Mm -hmm. you know what they're talking about. And it happens all the time in this one area. They talk about an evil presence, about something that doesn't want them there. And they feel like they need to, they're being pushed to leave, to get out of the way. Um, There is an area back there called Draper's Cabin. Now, Draper built a cabin about 130 years ago now. And he had a little stone mill back there powered by a creek. And he, he basically ground grain, corn and wheat and what have you, for um, a lot of the local folks. Um, and there are stories that it's haunted back there, that there, there was a murder at Draper Cabin, and that um, depending on who tells the story, that the murderer is out there stalking the woods, and that's the evil presence that people feel. Other people say that the victim haunts the cabin area. And I've read stories about um, screams coming out of the trees as though something, literally, that's how they put it, screams coming out of the trees. Um, The sound of something being dragged, footsteps, uh, moans, thumping, and 
it seems to come either from the cabin or just outside of the cabin. And there are stories that people can't stay the night at the cabin. You can actually rent the cabin. It's been refurbished from what I understand as part of the park. And, um, you can rent it, but, um, a lot of people say it's just really, really badly haunted and people don't stay very long. Why did they renovate it then? Well, because it's a historic cabin. So, you know, they were looking at it from the tourist dollar. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> if they don't yeah. stay long, that doesn't help. Well, people rent it and they leave and they, and you know, you, it's a non-refundable deposit. There you go. <laughs> you're going to stay, you know, you're going to pay for it one way or the other. Down there, there's also a place called the Step Cemetery. Um, and it's a really sad story. Supposedly there was this woman whose little boy perished by accident. And they see a woman in a black dress digging um, in the cemetery at night sometimes. Um, it's like I said, it's, it's wilderness area, but there's tourists that stay in the general area. They go for walks and hikers that do this and what have you. And they'll see her um, pulling what ends up being bones out of the, the little hole she's digging at the, in the cemetery. And the story is that it's um, the mother of this little boy and that she pulls his bones out and she'll cuddle them and hold them. And then she lovingly places them back in the ground and disappears. So they actually physically see the remains or they see her picking up the bones of her child yes okay and you can imagine how horrifying it is to be standing in this old cemetery at the edge of this old cemetery and see this lady in a long black dress digging and you're like what the hell and then watching and she's oh my god she's pulling bones out of the ground and then she cuddles them for a moment and then she puts them back and then that well when people like okay if someone sees that and she disappeared. Did they walk over to it and see if the ground think... is like unearthed or is that it just like a vision? You. Okay. That I can't tell you. I do not know. And just because Illinois has especially interesting stories, let's visit one more park there. The Starved Rock State Park. Starved Rock? That caught my attention. Like I had to like. But rocks don't eat. Ah, or do they? <laughs> well, no, there's a story behind it. Okay. Um, there were two groups of Native Americans. And I'm going to try to say say this right. Kaskaskaya, the Kaskaskaya Indians um, were one of them. And then there was um, the Iliwan, I think is how you would pronounce it, Indians, which are where they got the word Illinois from. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, according to the lore... The um, Illinois Indians were trapped by the Kaskaswans at this rock. Now, when we think rock, we think a little rock. This thing is, like, huge. It's like a waterfall and all of this stuff. And they were trapped there. And um, if you ever, if you get a chance to look it up, it's gorgeous. And um, there's – and so, anyhow, Starved Rock is the is – the, uh, area where these people were um they, they ended up starving to death there oh the indian the other indians just kind of waited them out and let them starve to death i wonder why they would name it after that instead of something different i don't know i mean maybe people just told the story of the starved rock you know this yeah. is the rock where the people starved you know and told the old story but that's the story behind it um, if you're going to look at parts of this park, you, the one I would look at was St. Louis Canyon Waterfall. It is phenomenal. Like, I want to go. You know what this looks like to what? me? Watkins Glen. Have you ever been there? Yeah. Where you go and you're like covered with the walls are on the side and you see mm -hmm. waterfalls as you go. Looks like a similar thing. That's pretty. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. So. Um, Even in the we, winter, but I wouldn't go there in the winter. So we know that this was, you know, this was a Native American area, very heavily lived in. There were Clovis points found um, all over the area from like 11,000 B.C. Oh. So, I mean, this is an area that's had a lot of um, life, if you will. So, and then again, like I said, um, it'd be then in, in the story of the Starved Rock and how it came to be. And... There's just so many other stories about it. Um, so there's a place there called the Corbin Farm. 
that has, and then there's um, the Hotel Plaza site, which is there's a Hotel Plaza there, obviously. And they have found artifacts um, under and around all of this. Little Beaver site, um, Shaky Shelter, other sites that are there. Um, they're all part of the National Historic Register of Places. They're considered exceedingly significant, and they're just fascinating. So that part of it's really beautiful. Now, of course, I personally... I'm a ghost girl. So let's talk about a few of the ghost stories. We'll get down here to the ghost stories here in just a second. But there, there is a story about one of the most famous ghost stories there. And this is near Starved Rock. Um, there were three middle-aged ladies in 1960 by the name of Mildred Lynnhurst, or Lindquist, excuse me, Lillian Oding, and Frances Murphy. They were... Um, housewives from an upscale neighborhood in Chicago. They decided to go to the Star Rock State Park and um, basically spend four or five days and just hang out and visit together. Um, it was early winter, and so they come pulling in. They have with them a camera and some binoculars and, you know, hiking boots and what have you, check into the hotel and decide to go for a walk. They're going to go hiking. So we know they, they were they were appropriately dressed. It was a little bit of snow on the ground. They, they had their boots and heavy coats and the whole nine yards. And um, everything seemed to be just fine. That night, Mr. Oding called for his wife, and she wasn't there. And, this, and the guy at the, at the desk said um, she, that they were out for the evening, and he would let them know. Well, the next morning, Mr. Oding called again, and they said, the guy that answered the phone at the desk said, oh, I've just seen them. They were at breakfast. I'm, you know, they just stepped out. I'm, they're fine. I'll give them the message. Well, um, Tuesday morning, this, they, this is like over 24 hours after they got there now. We're pushing 36 hours. Um, he again asks, and nothing. That night. Um, there's a horrible snowstorm that hits the St. Louis Canyon area, which is where they're at. And that will become important because that's part of what hinders the investigation. Um, Mr. Oding on Wednesday morning has had enough. He keeps calling and they keep telling him his wife is out. She's busy, whatever. And he's not buying it. So he has a friend who's high up in the um, law enforcement. So he decides he's going to talk to him. He calls him and the state uh, calls made to the um, attorney general of the state. And within literally a couple hours, there's an investigation opened. We have three very well-heeled young, well, not young, they're in their mid-30s, early 40s, um, housewives who have gone on vacation and are no longer able to be found. Obviously, something has occurred. So um, a search is set up for them. And the long and the short of it is that um, there were some boys exploring up an icy ravine road. And they found the bodies of the three women at the um, edge of a, a cave, a little cave area. Like there's like a shelf of stone. And it was high enough you could stand up underneath it. And there lay the bodies. And they... Um, summoned assistance and of course the police came and they found the badly battered um and raped remains of the three women the camera was there the um you know everything that they had brought with them the binoculars everything they were all there they were all bloody it you could see it was a violent violent event so um over the course of several weeks there was only, they were tied by two different types of twine around the backs of their around their hands um so the long and the short of it is they eventually, by, because of the twine, traced it down to a guy who was a dishwasher at the hotel. And he had quit his job a couple days after the bodies were found and said he had going to business with somebody, with a, with a relative, I think it was father or father-in-law. Anyway, um, he ends up confessing to the crime. And it is said that this area where the ladies were found is very badly haunted. By that, them? By them, it, the stories are that you hear um, you hear screams, you hear cries, you hear voices talking, um, and um, 
there's never anybody there. And again, this is an interesting thing about the two forests that I've read about in Illinois. Um, you hear the same story about, um, they say the trees yell, the trees scream. Mm -hmm. They don't say that they hear just screams from around the trees. They say the trees scream. I don't know how else to say that. I wonder how they can, I mean... How do they know? Like they have to be standing right next to a tree and it's like, I don't know, ah! but that's, I found it interesting that, um, that's what they say. They don't, they like, they're very graphic about it. The trees scream. Mm -hmm. Um, and they like said, you hear muttering, you hear, um, crying out, um, disembodied voices, things like that in that area. Um, there's another place up there called the South Mountain, South Mount Hawkins. It's named for a woman by the name of Nellie Hawkins who worked at a, at the Squirrel Inn, which was another local, um, you know, establishment where people could uh, stay. And um, you know, this one, this one's um, we're going to talk about is another forest here. So the Nellie Hawkins story comes from the Angeles National Forest out near Los Angeles. Um, and it's a really creepy story, I have to tell you. Now, Nellie was apparently a lovely, lovely woman. And um, people really liked her. And that's how the mountainside got her name. And everything was great on the mountainside. And the the hotel and everything, you know, it was just a really wonderful place to go. And in 1935, it was decided by the, that it would become part of the national um, forest system. So Angeles Forest began to be protected, you know. And one of the things they did is they built a, a tower there for um, – wildfires to keep an eye out for wildfires for a long 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 time the this was a, a an established practice the um the tower sat there and was manned and then in 2002 which is a fairly recent ghost story if you think about it things changed um in september the 1st of 2002 um a fire swept through they call it the curve fire in, in the forest. If you talk to them about the great fire, they'll talk about it as the curve fire. It burned down the fire tower and took, um, hundreds of acres of ground. The locals have always believed that there was a, a cult group there that was responsible for the fire, that they were performing some sort of a ritual ritual on South Mount Hawkins and, um, that it involved a fire and, burning sacrificial animals and that I guess they had been caught there doing this before and that they had um, been seen going up in there again. And uh, after the fire, I mean, there's, that's the official story. I don't know how else to say it. That's just the official story. If you look up this fire, this is attached to this story. And um, visitors after the forest began to grow back, started coming back to check it out they would see um animal spirits roaming around but and it was mostly visitors at the beginning so people thought they were just imagining things they would describe these animals with either hard flesh or rotting flesh um and when the animals would look at them they had black holes for eyes very creepy so negative. like what basically what you'd think of a zombie but for animals I I I didn't think of it as a zombie, but I guess you could think you could well, see if it that like, way. Well, if they're not see through, like it's you can't really you yeah, can't go. Oh, it's masks. a ghost. You know what I mean? These have masks. Yeah, whatever they are. So it's like they rose and, back up or something. And uh, you know, at first, like I said, the local people thought it was a bunch of hooey, and then some of them started to see it. Hmm. At which point, they sort of changed their tune. And it's still seen, these animals are still seen. They're birds, rabbits, cats, all kinds of uh, wild animals, but mostly the birds, rabbits, and cats. Sounds like pet and, cemetery. And they're, they're seen there. Um, like I said, they're, it, and the stories are either that they um, are hardened over, almost like a shell, or that they have rotted flesh. And it's just kind of a creepy. And um, people believe that there's also these... Um, shadow figures that are now seen there um and it's weird like they say that the animals walk with stiff jagged movements and the um and i'm, I'm going to read this because it just i can't say it better at night their shrieks are cascade over the mountains and through the forest their unearthly cries can be heard by nearby houses and they keep the children up at night 
And then it talks about um, shadowy figures being seen amongst the trees. Spiritualists are convinced that occult practitioners opened a portal of some sort at this juncture and negative entities flow through. Mount Hawkins, huh? Mm-hmm. In the Angeles State Forest. How close is that to L.A.? Very close, from what I understand. I'm, like, I'm shocked that I never went there. Let me see. Oh, okay. It's not that far, is it? No. Northeast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never really made it up that way. Well, that's why you didn't go there. I guess I knew not to go there. <laughs> you instinctually knew, is that what you're saying? <laughs> I don't know. I never I didn't know it existed, but yeah, now that's why. Yeah. That's why my happened. my animal instincts knew it. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh anyway. <laughs> so uh was that the last one? That is our last one for tonight. There are at least a dozen more that I could tell. But maybe if folks like them and they want to respond and let us know what they think, I will pass on five or six more haunted forests for them to camp in. Or avoid. No, no, no. One you of those camp two in things. them and then you add a new ghost story to the... Oh, you, you get an experience and then you add the ghost story. See, I'm not... A, I'm, I'm a person... Like, I would go and spend the night in these forests because... I would want to know. Mm -hmm. I want to know more than I'm afraid. By far. I would drag Dorsey and a few other people along with me, but yep, I would go. Well, there you go, Parapeep. There's your chance. You can have a ghostly experience too and support a state or national park while you're at it. Oh, well, see, I'm for that. See? <laughs> Conservation is the way to be. No. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> uh well okay now i'm gonna look up where they all are in pennsylvania and just not go there you'll just have to sit in your house then <laughs> i know it's all forest here what are we gonna do there's people in trees and there's all kinds of stuff that's right <laughs> um what trees do we have talk to you and all kinds of things yeah the trees that talk we have rocks that sound like bells like what's going on here I love Pennsylvania. I could, <laughs> we can tell you a thousand other great things about Pennsylvania, but we do have rocks that sound like bells. Which is cool. It is. So what orders of business do we have? Business? 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 Do I we can't, have any business? I can't talk. I know. Business? Do we have any business? I don't know. I can't do it. Yes, we do. Uh, if you like this episode and you want to see more good ones, more that you can't see on this uh, Facebook page, YouTube page, listen to on whatever you're listening to, Anchor, Spotify, we're everywhere. So if you want to check us out on any of those, do that. Uh, we have a link to our link tree on our website. Um, we got our Patreon, which is why I started talking to begin with. We have 19 extra episodes. Yay. Lots, lots of good stuff over there. And uh, what else? If you want to support us a different way, uh, other than that, we got the Paranormalist tip jar. We do. The link will be on the description of this episode, wherever you're viewing yep. it. Like us, share with us, you know, share us with other people, please. That helps to build our, um, build us and help us to grow. And if you can support us in any way, we greatly appreciate it. And, you know, spread the word, man. Just if you can't do anything else, then we appreciate you telling other folks about us. If you're part of any Facebook paranormal groups, which pretty much all of you are probably, uh, please share like one of our clips or a full episode or whatever you think they'll like in that group. Or you know what else I was thinking of, Patty? What? Reddit. That's true. I think we would spread pretty well on Reddit. So if you want to go on Reddit and share one of our pieces, please feel free to do so. If you're a Reddit user, which I am not. But even if I was, they'd be like, you can't post about yourself. That's like a big no-no, I think in the Reddit community. So, can my kids post cuz they listen to Reddit? Hey, yeah, if anyone can post anything of ours. Except us, we can't post about ourselves. Pretty much. That's usually the <laughs> rules. So, <laughs> so if you're if you do any of that stuff, if you like any of that stuff, if you want more, that's how you get it. Yep. So, um I think that's it. That's it. So, good night. Good night, pair of peeps, and we will see you later. Good night. Good night.